0: There were two writers uh, who went to college in New Jersey and they came to us with a script and said, we've done this movie and we'd like to use your name. And he said, well, does it in any way disparage our team members or make the brand look bad? And if you've seen the movie, you know, know. it actually does not. does not It's at all. And so we took the risks, And I'd say the two screenwriters are now in our Cravers Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> Why do some companies succeed in driving growth while others fail? How do some individuals advance in their careers to lead teams that change industries? In the age of mobile, these are the stories of the companies shaping the way we interact with our world and the people who drive their growth. I'm Mada, and I'm the host for How I Grew This. Hi, everyone. We are so happy to have our next guest with us today, Lynn Blashford. She's the CMO of White Castle. Lynn has risen the ranks over a tenure of almost 10 years at the company and leads White Castle Innovative Marketing Communication Strategy. Lynn, we're so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show today.
0: Hi, Mada. Thank you.
1: So before we go into your background and have you gotten to where you are today, can you describe something about yourself that someone wouldn't be able to gather just looking at your LinkedIn or your digital footprint? Let's start with that.
0: I'd say the biggest thing is I'm a huge college basketball fan. Having gone to the University of Kentucky, I am all about the hoops.
1: So you think that started from college. What's your favorite team right now?
0: It'd have to be Kentucky Wildcats or a little bit of Los Angeles Lakers. Lived out in Southern California for a while, so became a Laker fan. Awesome, as well as the fact that LeBron was here in Ohio and now is there.
1: That's very interesting. Do you think this, like, love for basketball and for sports, plays at all into your role as a CMO and or, or into your career in you leading teams on the business side?
0: Oh, that's a great connection, right? About leading teams. We love to use sports analogies, don't we, when we talk about marketing and team leading and leadership and, you know, taking it to the hoop and that promotion was a slam dunk. I guess we could go on and on. But, you know, it, it is. There's something about teams that are fun, right? The connectivity that you have all striving for one goal does really equate itself to what you do, you know, when you're running a marketing department and running a brand.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And you know, this is really interesting. When I started the podcast, life was very different. I started this in February. (laughs) What a year to start a podcast, right? (laughs) How is this year treating you? How's your life during COVID? Uh, And then we can also kind of like, I'd love to hear about your professional life and how COVID has impacted White Castle.
0: What a tumultuous year it has been for us as a company, just to give some folks some perspective around who we are. You know, we've been around for almost 100 years, started in 1921. We'll be celebrating our 100th birthday next year. So we had a lot of plans going into next year that we still hope to do. Some of them will now be virtual instead of in person But when we started the year, what we were looking for was a great way to end a century for us. And COVID had, in some ways, a benefit to going back to the two parts of our company. We have two divisions. We started as a restaurant chain and still are a regional restaurant chain. But about 35 years ago, we also started a food products division, which makes the frozen sliders that are in the grocery stores coast to coast. So when COVID hit, of course, the restaurant whole industry, you know, almost kind of fell out there for a bit as things were closing down. But at the same time, our brand was prospering from the stock up of buying frozen products in the grocery store. So we had the ability to balance our business. We we're family-owned and still family-owned today, wow. being run by our fourth generation of leadership. Uh, Lisa Ingram is our CEO, and she's the great-granddaughter of the founder. So for us as a family business, it was first and foremost, we've got to make it another hundred years. <laughs> what, do we get, you know, what do we have to do from a budgeting standpoint, from anything maybe around pausing innovation, That we need to do to make sure that the company stays prosperous for the year. We did so many scenarios of forecast planning, you know, with our CFO and spending about, well, if the restaurants come back, you know, could we, well, we might hit this number if they stay down, you know, traffic stays down the way it is now. You know what kind of numbers are we going to hit? So we had so many contingency plans, so many different forecasts, and then we'd reforecast every couple of weeks because once things wow. started getting better from the restaurant side, and we were fortunate because we were considered an essential business from the manufacturing side to the restaurants. With our drive-throughs, we were able to sustain and kind of grow back the business. Uh, you know, awesome. we then you're struggling with different curfews and different cities and different shutdowns. So, you know, New York might have been different from St. Louis in May and June and, you know, versus Indiana. So you're really dealing with a lot of the different cities and what were their constraints. So every day was a very interesting, different unfolding of the story. And I feel like, you know, clearly where we are today here, the beginning of December, we're still seeing you know that those kinds of changes city to city where Chicago just kind of did another lockdown you know a week ago um, while some cities are still a little looser so every day is navigating a new new piece of
1: information you know one of the things we've seen um, as we looked across like all our customers and people in our industry is like mobile has really taken a front step for companies during this time you know, with contactless ordering, people like promoting their apps. As you think about your digital strategy and your mobile strategy, how do you think about that? What's the role that that plays into your overall strategy?
0: A very important role, whether you're a grocery shopper making a list, you know, via mobile device, uh, whether we're trying to target an ad to you as you're walking in to a superstore yeah. or whether we're trying on the restaurant side to ensure that you're ordering ahead and paying ahead and making your transaction as seamless as possible and smooth when you get to the restaurant uh, so that it is contactless if that's what you so desire. So it seems like there's really been this shift from little a little bit less about grandiose kind of brand awareness. Uh, And it's been much more functional, you know, people wanting to know that everything is safe and secure. So there was a lot of aspects to just how the messaging needed to shift as well as where you were shifting dollars in order to reach consumers. And that's still going on right now. And as we're planning into the first half of next year too.
1: And how do you think about like, you know, as a CMO, how do you think about you know, promotion of your brand during this time has shifted a lot? And how do you, uh, yeah, let's start with that. Mm
0: -hmm. I think we're fortunate that we've been around long enough that we're not trying to grow a brand awareness and a Mm -hmm. brand presence. uh, So (laughs)
1: everyone knows my it uh, So we have
0: very high aided awareness. We might have low unaided awareness though, because there are times when on the restaurant business, Clearly, we're competing with huge national brands with very large budgets. So there isn't and we're not on every street corner, actually, in some ways. That's why the crave is so strong is because you're not going to run into one of our restaurants, you know, every time, every half a mile. So in some ways, you've got to go out of your way to find it, which what makes the crave kind of build up (laughs) that you've got to satisfy. Yeah. So going from, you know, there's some concern that we're not out there and and not reminding people that we're there. The good part is uh, we, like many restaurants, are seeing, you know, fewer transactions but higher check. So when people are coming out, and the same thing with going to the grocery store, people are very mission purpose. They're going there. They've got exactly what they want, want to get out fast. On the restaurant side, it's been, they're going there and they're buying more food because they either want to make sure they're getting enough food for several meals or they're getting, you know, food for the family, uh, dinner replacement. So it's been a shift in the kind of the way that people are purchasing, and so we've been responding to that whether it's making bigger pack sizes for the grocery because we have six pack, 16, 32, 24 packs, those so shifting around to bigger pack sizes for the frozen section or shifting to larger meal configurations on the restaurant side, too.
1: You also um, launched uh, a loyalty program in this in September, right? It's called the Craver Nation. Craver Nation. Nation. Yes. tell us <laughs> a bit more about the program. How do you approach it? How do people enroll? How does it play into you? You know, kind of growing and and retaining your audience. Mm-hmm.
0: We'll start first when we launched our mobile app, which was around eight years ago, or actually we launched online ordering via web about eight years ago. So we were ahead of the curve for many restaurant chains, not counting pizza, of course, that we knew that for us, that was going to be an important part of the future. So we were great that we were well ahead of that versus those who are trying to get in the game now. So our app mostly had the functionality around ordering ahead, you know, just ordering ahead, ordering online uh, was the main purpose. And we realized that we want we were missing out on capturing more consumer data with the app, other than just having the customers order from us. We wanted our experience in the app and the experience with Craver Nation to be one that's more than transactional, but creating some more emotional moments. Um, being able to provide different kinds of value other than just, you know, discounts and coupons. And so Craver Nation as a loyalty program was launched in our app earlier this year. We started testing it in February with some initial market rollouts. And September was when we completed the rollout. And so we had um, system-wide availability for joining of Craver Nation, the loyalty program. And since then, I'd say we're still in acquisition, you know, very much acquisition mode. So when we talk about maybe some of the advertising needing to get trimmed back this year because of the way the business is unfolding, that's been one element that um, we haven't had the opportunity yet to grow at the pace that we'd like it to grow. Um, but we certainly see that changing as we shift into the new year and, and get through the holidays. So we, the loyalty program for us, is a great way to make additional connections with our Cravers. You know, clearly we're going to still provide them discounts. We did not want to go down the point system. So it is more of a, gives us some breadth to how we want to engage with consumers, whether it becomes, you know, ordering and you might get the chance to vote on the next inductees of our Cravers Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of opportunities that we can have some fun, with our cravers. They're a great passionate group of customers uh, that many of that we've had for decades. Uh, we also know that from a younger audience, too, you know, those restaurant customers like to be able to have the ease of, again, just ordering ahead. So the ordering ahead function is still there a contactless payment, Venmo if you want to share payments. So we feel like the technology we've built in is going to be able to enhance. The, the reason for having the app.
1: Very interesting. So what do you mean by you didn't go with the point system? Like, how does it work? And, and why didn't you for others who are thinking of building loyalty programs themselves?
0: Yeah, that was a big debate for us. I mean, clearly there are folks in the industry who have been running point systems that are very successful for them. For us, it just felt too transactional. And if we wanted to be bigger than that and we wanted it to be more Than that. It just felt like by running points, it just makes it, I don't know, just makes it transactional, you know, versus having this connection of emotion other than I just have to get in there so I get my free whatever after so many visits. We just wanted it to be, uh, capture some things that might be surprise and delight. Additionally, we're working with a group called Plexure out of New Zealand which has an AI engine that we wanted to use in order to make specific recommendations for customers. It's more of a personalization for it. So we felt like by narrowing the scope into just being kind of a point system, it didn't give us the opportunity to really explore a lot of these different areas that AI will be able to fuel where, you know, some learning for us and try new things.
1: That's super cool. So, you know, you, you mentioned about the loyalty program actually being one of the drivers for app adoption. Are there any other ways you guys promote your app outside of just the loyalty program? How do you encourage people to, like, get the app and build a connection with you?
0: The vast majority of it at the moment is around the Craver Nation loyalty program and the ease of ordering ahead, for our business on the restaurants, we people come in and they buy sliders, you know, by the sack. Yeah. So they're buying in bulk. So anytime you can order ahead so that it's ready for you uh, instead of waiting in, a, you know, waiting in the drive through line. And, you know, it's not typical for someone to come up and order, you know, 30 sliders and get a Crave case from us. So if they can order that ahead and have it waiting, it saves our operations team time. It saves the person behind you in the drive through line time and makes it simpler for the customer. So it's really that ability to save time and order ahead, pay ahead, that is the biggest function. You can save your favorite orders in there, so it met, that makes it easier. The menu, you know, per, just kind of perusing the menu fully is, is there on your own time. So those are the, the main reasons for the app at this point.
1: That makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure. I suspect that COVID has probably increased uh, app adoption for you as it probably has for a lot of others in the industry.
0: Yes, very much so. All the restaurant industry news, you know, clearly points to that, as well as delivery business. So anything digital, really, you know, and yep. what not going out or if you're going to go out, make it easy through the drive through or curbside pickup uh, has definitely increased
1: <laughs> double digit. That makes a lot of sense. So, I think, you know, one thing I really love about White Castle is that it has been around for a while. And I think it's family owned, and you are a company that looks at the longer term versus looking at short term gains. What do you think are some differences between the companies who think on the longer horizon, uh, like you, versus others who are looking to the short term?
0: Being family owned and a private company versus one that needs to worry about, you know, a stock price is gives you the ability to look at the long-term, as you just said, instead of the month to month quarter to quarter release of the financial statements. Now, internally, clearly we're looking at all that. And we're just as financially stewarding the budgets and business as much as a public company. But when the family Considers, you know, the safety of our team members paramount, and the ability to weather, you know, some downtimes as we experienced in the early months of COVID. It builds a culture, right, of your team members because they know that you're not you're not cutting staff in the home office in order just to, you know, show a a certain number for Wall Street. You're not making these short term decisions, and so that builds a lot of teamwork it builds a culture it's a family kind of environment you know that you care for each other and the family ownership you know cares for you so i think it really just bodes well for building a culture internally as well as everybody invested in you know as we just talked about to start growing on our 100th birthday everyone's invested to say you know yes we want this around for another generation We know the fifth generation, you know, family members who are currently in their teens or younger. And we want, you know, we want the company to be here for them as they take over, you know, in the decades to come. So So there's an element where everybody has a little bit of skin in the game and uh, wants to make sure success continues as it has for the last hundred years.
1: I love that. I think that's really great. So switching gears to you and your personal growth, let's start with like, How did you get into marketing?
0: Starting back in college, I think it was consumer behavior classes that really pointed me in the direction of marketing. Really enjoyed understanding and learning more about the psychology around consumer behavior at the time and what were the catalysts to, what triggered the reasons people buy, you know, the why behind the buy. And it just seemed to going down a path of marketing, as well as the fact that I'd worked in the restaurant business myself, right? On wait staff, bartending. So just combining that kind of heart for hospitality and the fun aspect of food with the interest of the psychology around behaviors of customers kind of converged (laughs) into the marketing world. And for the most part, uh, whether it's been on the agency side It's been in the restaurant business, um, some consumer packaged goods, as we have here now, too. So it's just been the ability to apply that to some very fun brands and fun products, too,
1: along the way. You know, you've been at White Castle for a long time, but you've also held some other roles before that in the QSR space. How did that journey happen and how did you end up at White Castle?
0: started in, uh, actually, pizza. Domino's Pizza back in the 80s, the heyday when that was growing leaps and bounds. And that took me to California, actually to Southern California. So I worked for several Southern California chains, El Pollo Loco, there's Casual Dining, El Torito. So if there's just some, there's just fun in the restaurant business and I was always interested, but didn't want to necessarily keep my path narrow to restaurants. And that's when I did work on the agency side and wanted to learn more about some other industries. And we had clients that were in the C-Store and the gas station business. There were s- several petroleum industries that we worked for. But ultimately, I, those were great paths in the career because to really understand the inner workings of the agency and the creative teams and how that how that all manifested itself in order to produce for the client really made me a better client after that too as I came back to the client side and again back in the restaurant industry Uh, but understanding you know what goes on 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 the other side Um, and we do see our agencies as partnerships so when I say other side I don't mean there's a division it's just a you know, the different organizations, but it it makes you a better client and it makes you a better business partner. So I've appreciated the paths that my career took as I came back to the restaurant, the client side, because I feel like we work in great partnerships with our agency teams and the ability to let creatives really come to you with no boundaries of great ideas. So you certainly have your briefs, creative briefs, and there's certainly certain deliverables that have to happen. But then I think some of the beauty of it is too, is when you can just let creatives kind of meet the moment and see what's going on and bring to you something you might not have been thinking about or creative brief did not necessarily define from your team. So it's, uh, the career path has been great. I love working on the restaurant, just
1: food business, and I love to eat. And I love food. So. <laughs> I know, it sounds amazing. And then at White Castle, you also had a really interesting career. You started as a director, VP, you just got promoted to CMO. What do you think helped with your like leadership and to take that path? And what advice do you have for others who want to grow in their marketing careers into leadership positions?
0: Not, and I think most marketers today do the same thing. So I don't think this is revolutionary, but even early on in my career, you know, sitting down with restaurant operations teams and walking me through a PL to understand the entirety of the business and how it works and where every dollar is spent and how the, every decision you make in marketing affects any other department within the organization, whether that be the supply chain, finance, training, you know, operations, manufacturing, whatever it is. So really understanding how you touch everything. And I feel like in many ways, marketing is the hub within the organization. We're sort of the heartbeat. Yeah. Now, granted, the frontline folks are out there serving the customers every day. Don't get me wrong. And we support them wholeheartedly uh, and love what we do because they love what they do. But we sort of, as the aggregator, kind of curate everything that's happening from the consumer side, you know, what's happening in the industry, and in the economy, internally. And we have to kind of curate all that together to come up with what's how is our messaging going to go out how is the brand going to be represented and where are we going to put that messaging it's just fun to be part of that and knowing that you're making a difference for our team members who rely upon the business as well as you know the family ownership too
1: and like I like that a lot Any advice you'd have for like a younger version of yourself or for others who are just kind of starting their career and looking?
0: I think it's important to reach out to others in the organization and whether it's the person who's uh, in purchasing or in the business analysis team, as I said before, go and be curious Sit down, make some time with them and say, okay, I don't need to, I don't need to know all the all the details behind what you do. Yeah. But tell me how when we make a decision in marketing, what happens over here in your department? What happens with your team? And many times you uncover little obstacles that they may be dealing with because of how uh, marketing is making a decision. So the more you know. Uh, the more it makes you a better partner internally within the organization. And then people want to work with you because of that. So I've always been one of who that's, you know, let everybody know what's going on as much as you can. So communication and collaboration and curiosity are my big three, uh, big three cravers, because that's, to me, it just makes it simpler to work and it gives people the information they know to be successful and to help and collaborate with you. And when you don't know something, you've got to seek it out and, and ask. And you'll find so many people love to talk about what they do or that you go to them and they'll say, gosh, I, nobody's ever asked me that before. I'm glad you, you know, reached out to share mm-hmm. that. I love that. So I think those are things that will make you successful. And having a great attitude. I mean, you have to have fun and enjoy what you do and have a great attitude about it.
1: I think the attitude is actually like really important. I think as someone who hires and like has grown teams, I think people like underestimate how important someone's attitude is. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that point uh, as well, because I think just being able to fail and learn is like just so important, right?
0: Yes, and nurturing, you know, finding people around you who have, a similar desire to succeed and to be creative and to, you know, we've all had to be very resilient and persevere through this times. And we found our team here at White Castle, you know, we kind of call it the COVID was the catalyst for more creativity. We've done things that we wouldn't have done before because of this. And it allowed our team to be maybe uh, inspired to come up with new ideas that if we had been on the normal path of normal business and promotions and new product launches, uh, we might not have done the things that we did this year.
1: Do you have an example? So we came
0: up with some different ideas kind of to meet the moment uh, around, you know, hashtag crave the good, which was just a social campaign where we wanted to highlight what people were doing in the communities to help each other.
1: And speaking of creative ideas, you, I think, got worldwide renown through like the partnership with like the movie Harold and Kumar. How did, I'm, I'm just curious. That's how I, I mean, I came from Romania to the states, and that's how I first heard about White Castle. Uh, because I didn't like live in a place that had it. I lived mm-hmm. like I went to college in a very small town. How did that come to be? And you know, it's been such a such an awesome partnership and, and, and promotion.
0: It is. And people think we must have paid millions of dollars for that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> not at all. There were two writers uh who went to college in New Jersey <laughs> and they came to us uh with a script and said, We've done this movie and we'd like to use your name. <laughs> we'd like to use White Castle as the the journey, as we go, go about this journey, it the did. quest to get to satisfy the crave. yeah. And uh, at the time, actually, the person who was in charge of that, he's our current vice president of marketing here, who's been with the company for quite some time. And he said it was one of the scariest moments because he had to go to the president at the time and say, you know, this uh, we had this opportunity to be a part of this movie, but... It's a little racy, <laughs> has it drugs and sex in it, and not something that we would typically remember. We're family owned. Yep. <laughs> so the president, who was Bill Ingram at the time, uh, our current president's father, and he said, well, does it in any way disparage our team members or make the brand look bad? And if you've seen the movie, you know, know. it actually does not. does not. It's at all. And so we took the risk. So at the time, it was a very risky move for White Castle to be part of what this kind of our racy movie. And it is a hilarious movie <laughs> mm-hmm. that uh, we took the risk. But it, it did put us on the map for a lot of younger people who were not considering us uh, at the time. And it certainly grew our brand awareness. It, it helped sales. And I'd say to the our the two screenwriters are now in our Cravers Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> I, th- that's awesome. I first went to White Castle because I watched the movie. And then when I went to New York City, I remember telling my friend, I have never, I need to go and try out White Castle. <laughs> so we went and found one and I had White Castle for the first time. You know, it's
0: so funny because we want in social media when we're monitoring almost every day up until COVID, I would say we would have people posting their, they call it their Harold Kumar moment, right? Oh, I finally get White Castle. We call them first timers. The first time they come there and they're kind of on this quest to go try it. And I think that's half the fun, you know, just coming, just making that quest to go try something new and different. It works well for us because there's really no other product that, Replicates the taste of White Castle. So unlike some burger chains, which I can get a burger here, get a burger there. I mean, the original slider is the original slider and you can't get that anywhere else at all. So I think that also makes it distinguishable. Which is why the quest to
1: <laughs> yes, to get it. there
0: was so different. <laughs> nothing else would nothing else would nothing else
1: take would, the place with uh, fit the crave with <laughs> right. quench the crave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been awesome having you, and uh, we would like to end with a lightning round of three slightly silly questions. So, the first question in our quest to get to know you better: If you had to delete all the apps on your phone and you could only keep one, what would mm-hmm. you keep? I would keep my banking app. <laughs> wow, you are the first person who said, who answered this. This is cool.
0: I just, you know, when I think about the ability, I know it's very functional and maybe not the as it. fun, but the fact that you never have to write a check, you can pay every bill, you can transfer money if you want, you can, you know, just do all your financial
1: That's a very well, original answer. In your Most... app,
0: you never have to go, unless except for to the ATM, you never have to go into a bank again.
1: <laughs> Most people answer WhatsApp or Gmail, but we've never had a banking answer before. <laughs> so I love that. I think that's that that's tell you tell us a little bit about you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you had an app that enabled you to talk to one animal or one type of animal, what would you pick?
0: I'd probably pick dogs. I'd love to hear what they what they say. And I've got a great golden retriever who's Fourteen years old now, and you oh. just look at them, and you just know they want to say something sweet to you, and they love you, and no. I don't know, just to be dogs.
1: I would also pick dogs, so I definitely <laughs> understand that answer. And then, what's one? What's the most unexpected app on your phone?
0: It might be one of our competitors, so mm. I'm not going to say. okay. okay. <laughs> it would be a restaurant competitor.
1: <laughs> and you have that because you like them or because you're looking for like insights?
0: Well, I have this one I'm gonna say because I like them. I do have many restaurant competitor apps on my phone because we're always looking to obviously just monitor what they're doing. But there is there's a couple competitors that like to spread the spread the love around. And I'm not gonna say which one.
1: I think that's totally fair. <laughs> so with that, Len, it was amazing having you today. I thank you for all the wonderful stories and the advice. Thanks again for being with us today.
0: Thank you, Matt. It was great talking to you.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this and share with someone trying to grow their career. Until next time, keep growing.